0: good to be with you for another Sunday. I hope you had a good week. My family and I had a great time swimming as it was so smoking hot this past week. So hopefully you were able to beat the heat and I also hope you're having a good start to your Sunday morning and we're glad that uh, we can join you in this way. We have, in the last couple of weeks, we've been progressing through the sermon series that we've titled Going Public and... We've been talking about that one of the key aspects of being a Christian is that you are a missionary for Jesus. And just as God the Father sent the Son, the Son sends us on mission to be His representatives, His ambassadors, to people that desperately need to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And so in this series, what we're doing, since that's such an essential part of our Christian identity, is we are seeking to equip you with what you need so that you can go public with your faith, so that you can be on mission with Jesus to reach and to save those that are lost and are in darkness. Um, So far in the series, we've talked about biblical truths that we need to know and understand, so that we have the motivation we need to get over many of the fears we have about going public with our faith. And so last Sunday, then, we, we talked about the role of prayer in our witnessing. This morning, I want to talk to you about another key aspect of going public with our faith. And we're going to pray, and then we're going to look at Matthew 5, 13 through 16. As that will be the passage that we're going to be rooted in this morning so why don't you pray with me lord jesus thank you for your grace thank you for the ways in which you pursued us so that you could rescue us lord thank you that we get to be in a privileged position to join you on your rescue operation to see many more people come to know you and experience abundant life in you. Thank you for sharing that with us. Lord, I pray that you would use today's message to further equip us for that task. May your Holy Spirit guide and direct and be our teacher. May our hearts be open to the words that you want to speak to us this morning and may we be intent on actually applying what you speak to us it's in jesus name we pray amen so let me read to you matthew 5 13 through 16 this is jesus teaching this is a part of jesus's famous sermon on the mount uh, we took uh, months to go through this entire sermon not too long ago but let me just read to you these verses matthew 5 13 through 16 you are the salt of the earth but if the salt loses its flavor how shall it be seasoned it is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men you are the light of the world a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. In this passage, Jesus explains the type of relationship that we followers are to have with non-Christians in the world. And here's what I think Jesus teaches, and this is the main idea of the message this morning. We are to be faithfully present among the people that we believe Jesus is calling us to reach. So we are to be faithful, faithfully present among them. So I want to talk about the faithful aspect and the being present among them aspect. Let's first tackle as a Jesus follower, we are to be present among the people. God is calling us to reach. So in Jesus's day, salt was used to season food, and it was also used to preserve food uh, due to a lack of refrigeration in Jesus's day. Now in order for salt to have any effect on food, it had to come in contact with the food. I mean, if you leave salt in a salt shaker, it's going to do your dinner absolutely no good at all, right? Um, It's not going to taste any better and it's not going to stay fresh any longer. Same thing is true with light. Light has to contact darkness in order to have any impact on that darkness. Um, You don't put a cover over a light bulb because it will not erase any of the darkness in the room that you need to see in. Um, So the idea here is without contact, there is no impact. And we're not talking about mild contact here. When you think about how salt is used on meat, You take that salt and you smother the meat with it. You rub that salt into the meat to season it, to to prepare it, to cook. Um, That is not my own contact. Same thing if I go up in my attic and I need to find something there. I don't take a little match with me to try and light the way. No, I turn on all the lights that I have in my attic so that there is maximum contact with the dark. Uh, with the light so that I don't stub my toe and bang my head, right? If we are going to have maximum impact on the people that God is calling us to reach, we have to have maximum contact. Now you may be thinking and listening, well, that is really obvious that you have to be in contact with the people you are seeking to reach. And while this may be very obvious, it is not always operative in a Christian's life. This is often one of those truths that we know, but unfortunately, it's not always something that is actually happening in our life. Um, You know, when someone becomes a Christian, something wonderful, many wonderful things happen, but one thing in particular is that you start to have relationships with other Christians that you can pursue Jesus with. And sometimes because of out of necessity, um, you start to lose some relationships with people that are non-Christians because if you keep spending time with them, you're not going to be able to be faithful to Jesus. You just know it. Other times it's just, those kind of relationships fall by the wayside because you're just opening up yourself more to the Christians in your life so that you are able to grow. And while that is a wonderful thing, Before you know it, if you're not careful, you can get to a place where all of your friendships are with other Christians, and you no longer have any sort of presence among people that don't know Jesus yet. Um, I feel like this can be especially uh, the case for retired people, right? Uh, For somebody that's retired, they no longer have work to put them in contact with non-Christians. Nor do they have their children's activities to put them in contact with non-Christians because their children are adults and are out of the house. You add that, as, that kind of factor with it's never been easier to withdraw from the public sphere than it is in 2020, right? Like you can do all your shopping from home. You can eat out from home by having it delivered to you. You can get your medications delivered to your house. Um, You can now, so many people, especially with the coronavirus thing, are working from home. You can completely, almost completely withdraw yourself Um, from the non-Christian world. Um, And while it's probably never been easier to withdraw, and because of our relationships with Christians, it often, you know, our non-Christian relationships fall by the wayside. We have to resist this. Because Jesus says, like, I am sending you out like the Father sent me. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. Go and make disciples. You know, I am so glad that Jesus didn't expect us to, like, seek and find him. He didn't expect us to work our way up to heaven somehow, through good deeds and good works. No, Jesus, he worked himself down to us to be present with us so that then he could raise us up. I mean, this is one of the things that separates Christianity from the main religions of the world. Christianity teaches that Jesus pursued us, came and found us, instead of us having to try to find and work our way to him. And and he didn't just come to be present among us. He actually became one of us so that he could identify with us. It's just a tremendous thought that this mighty eternal God of the universe who created it and sustains it so chose to be present with us in such a deep and personal way that he became human and he allowed himself to experience the limitations of many of the limitations that we experience. He grew tired. He grew hungry and thirsty. He could only be at one place at one time. He allowed himself to experience the full range of human emotions, grief, sadness, anxiety, fear. He um, even, he so identified with us. He so became present with us and among us, and so became one of us that he allowed himself to even suffer. I mean, Jesus experienced betrayal, rejection. He experienced uh, mental and physical torture. Jesus wasn't loosely present with us; he was all in with us. Um, if you read about church attendance in America, you're going to find you know uh, contradictory, contradictory uh, reports. You know some some people will say that church attendance in America hasn't really declined. Other people will say it has. But what these reports all have in common and I seem to agree on, that there's definitely been a decline in the attendance of those who are loosely uh, loosely tied into the church. And those nominal Christians and even those that are on the fence, so to speak, the church is not seeing those individuals come like it used to now that our society is becoming increasingly secularized. And so uh, gone are the days of you just have a church service and you can expect a lot of people who don't know Jesus to be in your midst. you know, decades ago, church was just what everybody did. And so everybody went and stores weren't open and there weren't sporting activities on Sundays. And so, um, but that, you know, it really isn't the case anymore. And so if people are going to discover Jesus, it is so critical that we follow Jesus's pattern. And we seek and find ways to be present among them. The days are gone where we can just expect uh, these sort of people, non-Christians, to be at the, you know, the doorstep of our, our churches. If um, Jesus is sending us in the same way that the Father sent him, and He is calling us to establish a presence among the people He is calling us to reach. And He is calling us to thoroughly become one of them. I think, and I'm going to challenge you this morning, that you, I want to challenge you to prayerfully consider what will it look like for you to become one of the people that God is calling you to reach. Last Sunday, I encouraged you to think of one person. Like if, if every one of us just reached one in the next six months to a year, that would be amazing. What does it look like for you to become one of that individual God is calling you to reach? And so I encourage you to really think through that. And for some of you, your first step is going to be, oh my goodness, I just thought, you know, Pastor Shane challenged me to think of that one. I don't have a one. And I, Pastor Shane is right. I am one of those people that now basically only have relationships with Christian people. I have no close relationships with non-Christians. Your first step is going to be prayerfully considering how you can put yourself in environments where non-Christians are going to be. There are a variety of ways that you can do this. For example, there are a variety of local volunteer opportunities that would put you um, in relationship with non-Christians. You can serve with the Legacy Project, right? We heard from Eugene two weeks ago, um, the, the one who runs the Legacy Project, right? You could be mentoring Uh, a a middle school student during the school year with the Legacy Project. You could volunteer at Pregnancy Choices or Rahab Ministries or the YMCA or the Boys and Girls Club or the Family Living Center. All local volunteer opportunities that are going to put you um, in contact with non-Christians. You could link up with Jim Curzon and help with FCA out at Tuslaw. You could coach. You could get involved with our city serve ministry. Um, you could get a membership at a local gym, and that's going to put you in contact with non Christians. Um, you could uh, frequent a particular coffee shop or a restaurant. Maybe you're going to join a, a golf league or a bowling league. There are endless ways to be present among. People who need Jesus. You just need to prayerfully consider what that is for you and how God wants you to do that. Some of you already know who your one is. And now the task is for you is, all right, how do I really become one of the individual uh, that, that Jesus is calling me to reach? How can I move thoroughly into their world? How can I identify with them? How can I merge my life with their life? How can I lose my life for their sake? How can I um, be present with them both physically, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally? Uh, There are many things that uh, just amaze me about Jesus, of course, but one of the things that so thoroughly impresses me when I read the Gospels is how present mentally and emotionally he was with each person that he uh, that That we read about him encountering in the gospels, it, you know as it's been said jesus 's ministry truly was the person in front of him he wasn't as he was talking to uh, the people that we see him have conversations with he wasn't thinking about his agenda for the day he wasn 't thinking i got to go do this healing at two, and I got to preach this sermon at five, and he was right there with the person he was talking to. Perhaps one of the greatest gifts that you can give to the person that is on your heart to reach is your undivided attention, your listening ear, um, uh, asking them good questions and just being present with them. And so, what this might look like for you is you're going to invite that person to coffee on a regular basis just so you can have some good quality conversation. Maybe it's having them over for a meal. Maybe you just call them every two weeks just to check in. On them, uh, maybe you're the person that that you're seeking to reach for Jesus um, is a hiker, and maybe you're not much of a hiker, but they like hiking, and so you're gonna you're gonna do that with them and, and get into that a bit more. Maybe they like golfing, and so you're gonna get into golfing a bit more, even though that's maybe not what you would pick to do. But that's a way of really becoming one of them it is really um, going into their world being interested about what they're interested in i'm sure you can think of a lot of different ways to do this i know in the stage of life we're in we have a lot of friends that have kids and they are playing sports and so for us it would it may look like going to some of their games so how can you enter their world you see, this is the way of Jesus. He didn't set up camp at the temple in Jerusalem and expect people to come and, you know, there to receive from him. He, Jesus is the one who intentionally traveled through Samaria so he could meet the woman at the well and, and be present with her. He's the one who... Uh, Got so close to the lepers that he, you know, he was in physical contact with them. He was the one who, um, much to people's shock, went into homes and had meals with tax collectors and allowed the prostitute to pour out um, her expensive uh, jar of perfume uh, on his feet and wipe his feet with her hair. This is the Jesus who was ultra-present um, with the people that he was seeking to reach. And so the second thing I want to say to you, and this is a lot more uh, brief than, than, the, than that first point is, so we need to be present, right? Um, Jesus is also calling us to be faithfully present. So Jesus, although he came to be one of us, He never, and he assimilated himself into our life, he never over assimilated so that he lost his divinity or his distinctiveness, um, nor did he ever compromise his values or his character as he became one of us. And this is huge because as we seek to become one of the people we are trying to reach, there's always that danger that we may let go of our Christian character and our values and our identity in order to appease or to assimilate into, um, the life of the people we are trying to reach. If we do so, uh, we are going to lose our saltiness, right? And this is what Jesus is talking about in our passage, that if we lose our distinctiveness as Christians, um, there is also going to to be no impact, right? We are not going to have a seasoning, preserving effect on the lives of the people we are trying to reach. And so that is something that we have to be very careful about. when you look at Jesus coming to be one of us, and John 1 is another chapter of the Bible that talks about this happening. Um, John says that we were able to see Jesus's glory. He says in John 1 14, in the word, this is Jesus, became flesh and he dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so if we are going to be faithfully present, the way and if we are not going to lose our saltiness, we must remain full of grace and truth as, as we go and as we interact. Um, the Greek word behind grace is this word charis. And it means to supply joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness. And it also means loving kindness, goodwill, in favor. And perhaps the best way to uh, define truth is that which is in accordance with reality, right? With fact or reality. Now, combining these two words and their definitions, I believe we could say that being full of grace and truth so that we are faithfully present in the lives of those we're seeking to reach for Christ means this. It means seeking the person's highest good in a charming, joyful, winsome way in accordance with the truth God has revealed in the scriptures. Let me just say it one more time because that's a mouthful. Um, To be faithfully present in the lives of those we're trying to reach and being full of grace and truth as we are present means to seek the person's highest good in a charming, joyful, winsome way in accordance with the truth God has revealed in the scriptures. Perhaps another way to think about this is to be truly gracious or to be graciously truth- truthful. And, um, you know, if you think about it, if we, ing- if we are present and we are lacking grace but we're really holding on to the truth, people are going to feel completely judged by us, completely criticized, critiqued, called out. Um, they're going to feel Feel probably pretty frustrated and angry. If we are full of grace but we lack truth um, we're going to just enable people to remain in their destructive patterns of living. If we lack both truth and grace then we're neglecting people and that is totally unloving. However, if we are full of grace and full of truth, we are going to leave people feeling loved and empowered. Jesus was full of both at all times. Um, he was never like, he, he wasn't trying to balance the two. There weren't some times when Jesus was really high on the grace side and really low on the truth side, or vice versa. Jesus was always full of grace and full of truth. It is extremely critical that as we go, that we are fully both as well. That is how we will remain faithful and present at the same time. And so I really encourage you as you go, as you seek to be present, the way that you're going to be able to remain faithful is that if you shower on both a whole bunch of grace and a whole bunch of truth. And here's what that might look like for you. I know we just had a meal with some friends that uh, we, we, we're we not sure where they stand with Christ, but we like to see them um, you know that being a major Jesus being a major part of their life and we we had him for dinner and we prayed at the beginning right um, that's a way of just being faithfully present um, you know we want to not be ashamed of our Christian identity but we don't want to be obnoxious either right and so Um, we pray. Perhaps that's going to be what you might need to do. Um, If you have coffee with somebody, just ask if you can, or a meal with somebody, ask if you can simply pray for the meal. Maybe it's a matter of asking um, the person you're seeking to reach, hey, how can I be praying for you this week? Um, If that person asked you how your weekend was, maybe that's just you sharing that, you know, we had a great uh, service on Sunday, and here's what I think God is teaching me at this time. Uh, being faithful um, to your Christian identity may mean inviting that one person you're seeking to reach into one of your life group fun gatherings. Um, perhaps it may look like when they ask you a, an opinion, what your opinion is on a particular issue, that you, you are not shy of with grace and love to share a biblical perspective on the issue. And so I don't know what it's going to look like for you. So here to wrap this up, I want to ask you, who is your one? Who is your one? And I want you to pick one way that you can go and be faithfully present in their life this week. And I want you to do it. You are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world.